What's up, guys? So as promised, I am bringing on another voice into this podcast. I've got a couple more scheduled out, but just the way that scheduling worked out. Um, I've got somebody that is very special to me today. Uh, I want to introduce in just a moment uh, my wife, Kaylin Galloway, who is also a naturopathic medical student here at Bastyr University. I just want to put the disclaimer out there first and foremost that nothing on this podcast said by me, her, or anyone else is anything more than our opinion. It's supposed to be somewhat informative and educational, but is to not be taken or construed in any way as medical advice, nor taken as the opinion of anyone else besides me or that other person. It doesn't have any reflection on Bastyr University as a medical school or anybody else that is affiliated with Bastyr University. Kind of now with that out of the way, I want to give a little bit of an introduction to Kaylin for those of you that don't know her. Uh, As I said, she's a medical student here. She holds a bachelor's degree in physiology from Arizona State University and has done some graduate work in immunology and microbiology. So I feel like she has an expertise even more so in some of the things to do with the coronavirus than I do. So without further ado, I'm going to bring her on. And hopefully you get some value out of this, and I will not hold it against you if you say that this is a better episode than just what I've done so far, because something that I have always said and still stick to from before we even started dating is that she is much more intelligent than I am in several different arenas, one of them being medicine. So that's not just some cheap compliment, that's the truth, and several of my colleagues would agree with that. So... Without further delay, uh, here she is. So, uh, Dane asked me to give my two cents about what's going on here. Um, I'm also a medical student. Um, I have a very strong passion for immunology and epidemiology, um, which is why I've been fascinated by this entire sequence event with COVID-19. I really do appreciate the fact that so many people are getting interested in statistical numbers around the spread of disease. It's really cool to see so much information being posted and people reading it in such large quantities. I really want to just put my two cents in there about something that's really concerning me in regards to that is that the only data points that we have available to us right now are death and mortality rates. We don't really keep track of how many people are in our ICUs. We don't really keep track of how many beds we have in each ICU unit, and quite frankly, I don't think that they're going to report those numbers because it would cause somewhat of a hysteria if we started to report how few beds we have available at this moment in time in a lot of our major cities. I think something that's really concerning me is that when you look at the mortality rate that we have right now, it doesn't really concern me. largely because of this fact is that once someone is dead, once someone has died from this condition, it's no longer a burden on our healthcare system. And that seems harsh, but just give me a second. Our healthcare system is being overworked to its max. It was already at largely around most hospital facilities keep their um, occupancy around 91% or 90% in a normal environment. And then on top of that, we're going to introduce a a large portion of uh, patients per day that need hospital attention. And quite frankly, the people coming in should have had hospital attention prior to their admission. 
but we've kept them at home because we don't have a place to put them. So that's the stressor here. That's the problem. And I think it's not emphasized enough. It's not a matter of how many people are going to die of COVID-19. It's going to be how many people are going to die because they didn't get treatment for COVID-19 or how many people died as a result of COVID-19 because not that they have it, but that they have some other condition that they couldn't get treatment for because every hospital bed was taken from a COVID-19 patient or everybody that went in for a regular procedure say they had a heart attack and for some reason they actually were able to get care and treatment for said heart attack they developed COVID afterwards like there's going to be so much more to this outbreak than just are we actually treating something that's going to kill everybody and it's not a matter and if you look at the actual statistics of how many people die from COVID directly it, it doesn't shock people right now especially since the numbers are so low at this point and because the percentage is really low and I think that it even if someone starts to tell you something along those lines of like three skittles could kill you if I gave you a hundred would you still eat it like that doesn't even kind of get to my head at all because the reality is it's not about the three skittles it is not about the three skittles I just want you to keep repeating that to yourself it's not about the fact that 2.5% or 1.4% or 3.4% whatever percentage we hear about today because quite frankly it changes by the hour at this point of a mortality rate I don't care what mortality rate you see what really is going to be affected is what is the hospitalization rate and what is the ICU intensive care rate and what is the number of people that actually need ventilators versus just need high flow oxygen masks that's the problem and that's where our our hospital systems will be completely overwhelmed because they were already somewhat overwhelmed in a sense that we were already almost to capacity now if you really want to argue with me even further we could make the argument that capacity for an american hospital is kind of a we we built capacity based on comfort so yes they're they're at capacity at 91 say a hospital in the United States at 91% capacity. In reality, no hospital is truly at capacity in the United States because people want to be so separate from the other people and we try to keep sterile fields and we try to keep people out of like reach of, of certain illnesses or certain issues and that's where we have um, kind of this misnomer. Yes, there are more room in our hospitals than we actually thought we'd have. But it's not like we want that situation to be, like, we don't want it to be okay that there are people in an ER unit getting ICU treatment because we don't have enough beds in the ICU unit. Like, we don't want to think that we don't have enough ventilators to keep everybody alive for the next five hours. Like, we don't have, we don't want that to be an issue. And that's where I think a lot of the misguided about being scared that we're being in quarantine and I understand this I mean I I got excited this morning about just being able to walk to my car and and record this so it um it is definitely hard to be isolated from the rest of the world that being said the isolation is not necessarily to help curb that mortality rate per se what is actually going to what we're actually trying to do by blunting the curve in a in a sense is we're trying to help 
the fact that our hospitals will be overwhelmed. And I think if we shift the dialogue, it is really hard to do that because all the data that we have right now is going to be directly correlated with mortality because that's the information we have. That's the data points we have. We don't we don't report ICU number of ICU admits in our hospitals in the United States. We don't report how many um, people are admitted into the hospital. Um, those are pri- those are pub- uh, they're private health information, um, and it's basically largely due to HIPAA. We don't actually have access to that information, and I wonder as this goes on how that will change and whether that will change and what it looks like. But the problem is not right now in terms of like what hospitalists would think, but in terms of what doctors are kind of thinking. It's not about how many people die from COVID. It's about how many people need intensive care from COVID because we don't have the ability to man manage that. Uh, we don't have the ability to manage 19% of the people that get it. We don't have the ability to manage 14% of the people that get it that need advanced hospital care. We just don't have that capability, and yet it's something we're going to end up having to face. And so the second thing I want to f- actually address, too, is be very careful about taking numbers that you are getting from the media or from um, public health services in your area and making gross underestimations about our progress. And I mean this in the most sincere way. I always say this to a lot of my classmates. It's like, the farther away you are from a problem, the easier it looks. So the farther away you, like, you can make the solution so simple if you're just looking at this fast, easy thing. And one thing I really want to point out is that it's not that simple. If it was that simple, we wouldn't really need PhD epidemiologists. We wouldn't have people arguing over what the outcome is going to be, how many people have it, how many people don't. We would have a lot of people um, being... uh, In terms of this, you would... You would not, it would not be that easy if someone at home could take just like the mortality rate versus how many people have it and explain it away. So I urge you to not make it that simple and really defer to people that are studying epidemiology, that do know statistics, that understand how to alter data points to make it make sense to a general population. That is their job. We have people that are doing this on a mass scale and it makes sense to them. It really does. And, um, their job is to make it make sense to you and looking at just the mortality rate versus how many people have it isn't that is a very simple way of looking at it and in some ways it can give you some information but it doesn't actually explain the totality of symptoms and I just want to give this example I had someone on Facebook explain to me that the U.S. is doing so much better than Italy and Spain and Iran because we have fewer mortalities per people that have COVID And although we are today, as of today, we reached, um, as March 27th, we reached the largest number of cases of COVID in the, in the world as of today, um, the United States has the most cases, which is crazy. But I just want you to think about this on average, most people that need intensive care will need it on day 10 of their illness. Most people do not get sick until day two or two to 14 of exposure on average is by day five that they get it, um, that they actually have symptoms. So from the time they have symptoms to day 10, they're going to end up having, um, intensive care. 
the United States cases have gone from one of, um, the lower end of cases to the largest in the world in a matter of days. It's been five days since we really started aggressively testing. We started testing a couple weeks ago, but aggressively testing has been about a week and a half, about. Um, that's not 10 days. So people that are positive today or positive yesterday, they likely are not to the point where they need advanced care. And in a morbid sense, they're not to the point where they will be dead. <laughs> and that's, I don't mean to laugh there in the sense of like, it just makes life, it's really easy to look at things very simplistically. You don't have a, a way of looking at things that linear. We want to look at things very linearly. And the reality is, if you test positive for COVID right now, it's, you could have a very mild case. You could have a moderate case where you involve some sort of hospital care and never get to the ARDS. You could, um, you could definitely experience all of that and recover. There's definitely a possibility of all of that. But I think you can't look at it, oh, we're doing great as a country because we have way, we're, we're America. We're way better than everybody else. We're not. I can guarantee you we're way underprepared for this. And it's fascinating to look at that object of, of thinking and think, oh, I know linearly what's going on, but it's not that simple. It is not that simple. And I, I love the fact that people are doing fractions and they still have that ability to make percentages, but you're, you're oversimplifying a very complicated issue. So I would definitely urge you to look at more data points, look at both sides, and understand how things are going. And then final, my, my final point, I probably have way more points, but I think one of the biggest things I like to do as a medical student and as a genuine nerd is that I really like to keep a level of ambivalence for things in that I'm okay with holding both sides. So I'm okay with hearing someone say to me that they don't think that COVID is a real threat. Um, I can hold that idea. I can I can hold that notion, sit with that notion, analyze their think their thought thought their. <laughs> I can analyze how they thought through that process, why they think that way, and what from their perspective is supporting that viewpoint. And it's very helpful to look at life that way. And yet, I also know. The opposite is true. I can look at someone who's like, we're all going to die. The world's going to fall apart. The economy's going to forever be down. And coronavirus is going to overtake the world. And I can look at that and hold that and see that people are reacting from this in any way that they think is safe. And so as you're reading, people are getting mad at other people for not quarantining or not taking action that they think is fair or people getting mad because you're giving away all their rights. This is wrong, you know? Like, there's so many different opinions going on right now. And I just want you to all really think about it that everybody's making these decisions and actions because they're scared. Everyone has not the same emotions, but they're angry, scared. They're doing it out of feeling unsafe because right now, everyone in the world feels somewhat unsafe about this. This is scary. And so give a little grace. Hold everyone's opinions where they are because they're not wrong. They're just what they see from that viewpoint. And yes, I do personally believe that 
this is a real threat and I think that everyone should stay home and I think that the more we stay home the more we can protect our healthcare workers the more we can make sure people aren't flooding hospitals and doing things inappropriately but I also know that not everyone is as privileged as I am to have the information I have in my hand like I don't I have so much information at me at any given day and I have the training to understand what it means so a lot of people aren't as privileged as you to understand things if you're staying home a lot of people don't have the ability to understand that emotions are okay and fear is reasonable so I just have some empathy for people that don't quite understand the severity of what's going on and um even if it is completely opposite of what you view and I I just um I want that to be something that I definitely leave you with As I've done privately already, I just want to publicly say thank you to Kaylin for coming on here and being willing to put her voice out there, not only just in general, but especially in the sense that it takes a lot of courage to be willing to voice your opinion on some things that really need to be talked about and shed some light on certain things that are most likely going to cause some emotions that come up, some positive and some negative in whoever you are that listens to this. And I think that's really important to sit back and realize that with something especially as as tedious and as impactful as the coronavirus, that there's some some conversations that, that really need to be had and they're not easy wins, but there's more harm done in not having the tough conversations than there are in just having them and and expressing the things that we need to express instead of holding on to them. So again, thank you, Caitlin, for being willing to come on here. Uh, I would love to feature other people. Um, I have two more that are lined up, but if you're someone, uh, whether you're just in the public eye, whether you are in the medical field or in some other related field that is impacted, which is probably the vast majority of us, Uh, Whether you just want to feature a short audio clip to kind of agree or disagree with something that's already been discussed on here, or you want to jump on and do a full episode, uh, I would love to discuss that potential with you. Uh, You feel free to contact me through any of my social media platforms um, or do so through an audio message in the link at the end of this episode description. As always, I hope you got some value out of this. And if you would be willing to, please first subscribe to this so you can follow us along in this journey and consider to share this with other people in your community and your circle of influence because that's how we're going to grow this thing. See you guys next time.